Hello and welcome to episode 817 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Thursday, June 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I am joined by Justin Mason. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. Do we have baseball yet? No. Sorry. I feel like okay. I ask this every episode and it, nothing seems to change. Thank you for listening to episode 817 of The Sleeper and the Bus. We'll be back next week talking about five proposals that didn't go anywhere. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I know that you and I have been uh, probably the most pessimistic, maybe not the most, but pretty pessimistic. Um, pretty up there, yeah. Uh, but recently, I've, I felt really confident that they were going to get something done, and, and I, I feel less and less confident every day. See, yeah, I gained a little bit more confidence to, to kind of come over from where I was, but then all these all these offers just don't seem to be made in that, that great of faith. But then yesterday at the draft, Rob Manfred says, yes, there will be baseball in 2020 because he has the power to demand that. Um, because of the agreement in place, he can basically mandate like a 45-game season or something. So they're making but, these offers, but at the end of the day, he can still say, nah, I'm just going to do what I say. I mean, he can, at the same time, the players can say they don't agree to expanded playoffs. So it's like they still have that bargaining chip um, in kind of their back pocket uh, that uh, they can just go, yeah, okay, you can have a 45-game season, but it's still only going to be regular playoffs, regular playoffs, which the owners definitely don't want. Uh, so I, I still think things are going to get figured out, but... I, I am definitely, like, the confidence meter has dropped uh, considerably from, like, even uh, just our last podcast last week. Looks like, oh, wait, no, that's from a couple days ago. Never mind. I thought something else was coming. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think the MLBPA latest offer was 89 games. I, you know, we're running out of time to do that. The 76-game season that the MLB last offered, that is running out of time. Um, you know, all these things that, that can get to a half game, especially because of, of the owners not wanting to, um, not wanting to have the season go too far beyond where it would go normally, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it feels like, you know, the, the midway points, 82 games or what, whatever they agreed mm -hmm. to originally. So, um, I just think that is going to likely end up being where we're at and, uh, they'll probably, you know, take the prorated, the players will probably get the prorated, uh, salaries, but they'll be deferred over, over time. Uh, this is all, I mean, yesterday the Arizona owner, uh, mentioned he wants a salary cap and revenue sharing, you know, in the next CBA. I mean, this is, this seems like it's just all posturing for, the for yeah that. for that and so yeah uh <clears throat> that's the scary part because uh i don't think the players are going to want that or agree to that uh and then that that means that we're looking at a work stoppage at some point after this even if this gets figured out i hate that you said that because it's accurate oh and it makes me so mad mm -hmm. it makes me so so mad all right. Well, that's that's where we're at right now. Um, we both feel a bit more confident 
that something's going to get done. But golly, just now in this in this uh, farce that's going on, are they shooting each other in the foot or themselves, the two sides, in, in a in a collective MLB foot? Are they just uh, two sides firing at one giant foot, or do they shoot into each other's? Or their own. How does this break down? Because it's it's just a nightmare, and we all end up screwed. But but how do you think the shooting is going? I think they're both shooting themselves in the foot. I think the average fan just wants baseball back. Yeah, uh, and I, I think and they're this, starting to lose that group. Yeah, and I think they just want just want sports. And the fact that basketball is going to come back, that uh, hockey is going to come back, and that mm-hmm. football will be starting up here relatively soon really means they missed a huge opportunity to, you know, grab a an audience. I mean, we literally had people last night just nonstop tweeting about the MLB draft. Yeah. And it is a smaller, like, MLB draft than we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it was just people were going insane over it. And, like, uh, we saw people go insane over a basketball documentary. Fantastic basketball documentary, but a basketball documentary nonetheless. Yeah. Like, we are starved. This was ripe for the picking for MLB, and I, I just it, it's it's just a shame that it did not get figured out uh, quicker. I think in the long run, at least you know, and who knows my uh, my scope is kind of uh, or my vision is kind of uh, you know muddied a little bit by the fact that you know of the people who I follow and uh, interact with mostly on Twitter or in, you know, baseball industry or fantasy baseball industry, but it feels like this, that people are on the player side more than they're on the, uh, the owner's side. And that's a switch from, uh, you know, labor disagreements and issues in the past where people often just, uh, you know, sided with the team and the ownership. Yeah, exactly. Because, Because because the owners have done a good job of, mm-hmm. of painting them as greedy and, and all that. And, you know, when it, they're making, uh, you know, X millions, it's like, oh, you can't, you're playing a kid's game for X millions and mm-hmm. no nuance, no understanding of, of what's going on. Uh, we're seeing more people try to understand it and really look at some of these offers and say, okay, yeah, you know, nobody's saying they're going hungry. It's it's not about it's not about that with the top guys. Like when people do the trout breakdown of what he would get versus what he should get, it's not that he can't live off of eight mil. It's that he was due nineteen and a half season, mm-hmm. and their offer was eight. And, and there's no world where that makes any sense or that's fair. So um, I agree with you. I do think there's a little bit more uh, support on the player's side, which is good. Uh, but they need to come up with something, man. Because I tell you what, the the back and forth is is just losing me. It's just driving me nuts. I'm I'm over it, um, and I'm trying to make sure that I don't get too excited for any of these offers right now. I just just, just tap me on the shoulder when we got something, you know. <laughs> at this point, I, that, I'm I'm telling you, I'm just over these these uh, back and forth offers right now because everything's being done via the media, you know. And so and that's of, the thing is this like. This idea that the owners, um, and even the players for the most part, have been acting in good faith uh, is silly. Um, And, you know, I think that people are starting to see through that, that there 
trying to be the, the owners especially are trying to use the general public to put yes. uh pressure on, on the players uh and i don't know if it's just a, a sign of different times because we've had uh you know more accountability in in the press and uh you know by the average person you know in in political spheres um yeah. not necessarily just with what the current you know what's going on in, in you know current events but just over the course of the last few decades uh, that people are starting to be like oh well the players make millions but these owners, they, they, they've got billions. Billions, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, or if it's just a matter of, like, the owners have just done a really crappy job of framing their argument. Uh, but I, I do feel like the tide is starting to tor- turn a little bit towards the players as opposed to being uh, straight ownership uh, uh, kind of uh, based. Yeah, people are, ex- the owners are being exposed a bit for a lot of bad faith offers and, and what they're doing. And even though everyone wants baseball, you know, and it can be annoyed by all this, there, there is a larger contingent that when you say, okay, I know you're pissed, but what side are you on? They say players, but everyone needs to get it figured out. I want to light a fire under everyone's butt, but push come to shove players. And that's where I'm at for sure. So, um, I say let's punt, not, not even punt, but let's push draft talk till Tuesday because it was only one round yesterday, and maybe we can get a guest that could be better informed than us. I don't know how much you follow the draft, but you know darn well I'm not don't know. draft Nick. I mean, yes. I watched a little bit. And... I mean, I I watched it. I I don't. For me, I'm I, I cram mm-hmm. the week like leading up to it, especially lately because the Tigers have had top picks. Uh, I cram the week of read everything we're putting out uh, with Eric. Uh, and Eric and Kylie last year, uh, and then other stuff around the community, so that I have an idea. But then someone turns to me and asks about a player, like Eric Loggenhagen says this, and I'm very clear about I do not have great knowledge there. So maybe Eric's the guy uh, we could bring on next week mm-hmm. and uh, have him discuss some stuff, give us some guys who are going to, uh, you know, pop in the majors sooner, and uh, some guys maybe down the road to invest in. So that's why we're not going to get into too much of it, except that I'm going to say I'm pretty happy with Spencer Torkelson uh, as a Tigers fan. I wanted Nick Gonzalez just because I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with him. Uh, a friend put me on him, you know, a couple weeks back, a couple months back now. And I was, so I was following his exorbitant, insane numbers that are definitely New Mexico state influence, but then he went to the Cape and killed it in a wood bat league. I knew he wasn't really number one material. And so I knew it was going to be Torkelson or Martin. I know it's going to be happy either way. Torkelson it is. Tigers got a big hitter. I'm psyched. Did you have any reaction to Patrick Bailey, the uh, the catcher, going to the Giants? Were you I mean, mad that it was a catcher? Yeah, I mean, I, it's a little weird that they invested in another catcher. Because, uh, I mean, they did obviously draft Joey Bart back in, sure. what, 2018. So uh, The only thing is... You know, guys, move off catcher. Yeah, and I mean, DH is the DH is coming to the National League for good. Yes. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see pitchers hitting full time ever again in, in the National League. I think that is going to get worked out uh, for for the future. So, uh, obviously, and and Joey Bart has had a hard time staying healthy. 
Yeah. So you, you just never know with catchers. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Patrick Bailey is coming out from behind the dish because he actually is strong defensively. Mm-hmm. That's actually that's actually the thrust of his profile is defense first, but not defense only. And I think those are used interchangeably. When people say defense first, a lot of times they mean defense only. Make rest assured, Patrick Bailey is defense first. He's a switch hitter with pop. Now, maybe they do see him staying at catcher. My, my point yesterday, because I tweeted out like people freaking out about uh, about this dual catcher thing. You don't dra- <clears throat> excuse me. You don't draft for need. So two three years, a lot of a lot of stuff can change. Can maybe trade a catcher if they both turn out to be premium guys. I didn't hate the pick. Because the reason I didn't want to go after the pick was because of Joey Bart. If you don't like the pick just in general and you think there are better guys than Bailey that they should have gone for, like Emerson Hancock, the pitcher, um, or, so, or some of the hitters that, that went later. Actually, Hancock might have been gone. Pardon me. Yeah, Hancock. I was looking at a Hancock I was looking at alphabetical six, I believe, order. yeah. Yeah, not a numerical order. Pardon me on that. Uh, and Seattle was was next. But uh, there were some some hitters that people liked better than Bailey. And if you, if that's your how you feel, fine. But critiquing the pick based on the fact that they have Joey Bart, I think, is wrongheaded. That that's the only thing I'll say about that pick, without knowing too much about Patrick Bailey, uh, as far as yeah. that goes. So we'll get more and draft coverage there. I mean, uh, just just to wrap it up, like I mean, and like you said, we'll we'll talk to Eric or, or some other uh, draft guy, and uh, uh, you know, hopefully it's Eric because I, I do love all his work over on the site. Um, but ultimately, like, let's stop trying to make the MLB draft the NFL draft. Yep. Where, yep, yep, yep. as a fantasy industry, we, like, just, like, you know, make these bold claims that this player is going to be, you know, this kind of play. Like, a lot of these guys we're not going to see for three or four years. Yes. Um, They're not even going to play the position they were drafted. And now, again, mm-hmm. Bailey might not be one of those guys. But we put Torque at third base. We drafted him as a third baseman. Mm-hmm. Because why not give him a shot there? And then worst case is that he goes over to back to first. But I, I I thought it was kind of interesting how they did that. If for no other reason than from like an actuarial standpoint uh, of like saying which positions have gone one one, he was going to be the, only the second first baseman to go one one behind Adrian Gonzalez. But instead, he's a third baseman, at least in name to start. So players move, things happen, development. I, I would not get get worried about something like that as far as uh positions and whatnot so and you're right don't make it the football draft because we see those guys the very next uh september the first second third round guys and and a lot of mid late rounders too but but the top three guys you're really looking to get impact from the following september with baseball you're talking two three years and if it's a prep guy four or five years just to you know just like hammer on my point like go back and look at like the 2016 draft and see where guys were you know ranked on our site or baseball america or uh you know any other prospect uh site and then see you know where they're ranked now in terms of like Mm -hmm. you know top 100 prospects like the list is not as it, the people are like, oh, everybody's mock draft is screwed up after the second pick, and it's like, yeah, Kirsten, yeah, yeah, like because th- those are those are largely meaningless. It's just a fun game and a way to blow off time uh, until the start of the draft. Yeah, you're trying to figure things out, but there's nothing like set in stone about it. But that did uh, Heston Kirsten going two to the Orioles really did set in motion 
some really interesting stuff. Uh, and again, we'll get into it more on Tuesday. But um, it's fun to follow, again, after my cram session, kind of having the test, quote-unquote, of, of the draft. I'm like, oh, I read about that guy. Ooh, I like that guy, you know, because uh, I, I read way too much after not reading anything about these guys. So <laughs> uh, the final four rounds are today. So stupid that they only did five rounds. F-U-M-L-B. You're so stupid. Anyway, main topic today. Came up with something that I actually wrote about a, a particular subset of these players, and now we're going the opposite way um, with what we're doing. And I took decided to take a look at ADP uh, from this year versus last year's finish and kind of see which way guys are, you know, which way guys are going. I looked at falling hitters. So the guys who finished much higher than, than they're being drafted and kind of went over some reasons in an article. A lot of it, um, I could have done like five catchers. I kind of bounced around a little bit. I don't want to just do all catchers, but like Vasquez finished, you know, he was the 56th player on the auction calculator last year, not hitter 56th player but he's being drafted 196. Well, we know why. People don't really believe in it. Narvaez, 89th versus 188. Mitch Garver, 51 versus 158. So I only did three catchers, but I did a bunch of guys like that. You and I are going to talk about the guys that are going much higher than their finish. So they didn't have a good uh, auction calculator finish last year, but they're still being drafted highly. And I'm not going just to injury guys. There's a couple. And, and you'll 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 acknowledge them right off the rip, but I tried not to just go with guys who were injured because obviously you know Giancarlo Stanton was like 600th on the auction calculator and now he's going what 50th? Well, duh. I want to talk about guys that are a little bit different than that. So let's start. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a 253 point split. He was 317 on the auction calculator and he's going 65th. So we know that last year certainly didn't go according to plan. But he did play, you know, 514 plate appearances. Um, So he put a pretty big sample out there and still finished that low. Are you comfortable with him now going 65th? And what do you really see? I I know we've talked about him, but it's been a while since we've really dug in on on a lot of these players. So what do you see out of Vlad Jr.? Do Do you feel like 65 is justified? Are you buying in at that high price? I'm not, uh, not because I don't think the talent is there, and I actually feel like he has a fa- fairly safe floor, which is a, usually what I want um, at a at a position uh, or at that point in the draft is a guy who's got some massive upside in the way that he does in in a pretty safe floor. The problem for me is just the other guys going around him in that spot. I mean, yeah. go, going what uh, three picks later is Max Muncy. We love Max Muncy. Yeah, like, I just can't, I just, you know, I mean, you know, DJ LeMahieu is going four picks, yeah. uh, or no, uh, one pick in front of him. <laughs> like I'm, it, I'm, ta- I'm taking LeMahieu, 100%. Uh, and so it's just very difficult for me to want to grab that chair. Now, if both those guys are gone, and I've been in drafts where both those guys have, have gone earlier than I expected because of their multi-position eligibility, he's definitely yeah. a guy I will look at. But you'll look, you'll look at Vlad Jr. Yeah. So let me just tell you this, because um, as you know, out of the park baseball is running a, uh, a a sim, you know, to match the season as it would have been. 
um, and they're posting it on baseball reference, which is kind of cool to kind of to look at and see, you know, who's overachieving, underachieving and at at par. Well, Vlad Jr.'s killing it. He has a 993 OPS with 23 homers uh, through 67 games or excuse me, through 68 games. Oh, so close. Mm. Um, Should have recorded tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That's really that's really nice. Uh, That's an amazing performance there. From Vlad, do you think he could do something? Obviously, we we're not going to, we might not even get sixty-seven games. But what what likelihood do you put that he approaches near a one thousand OPS with twenty-something homers um, in like a seventy-game season? If that's what we were to get for Vlad Jr., do you, I, I know that'd be a high-end outcome. But what percentage do you really put on that? Uh thirty percent. That's 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 still worth. That's worth diving in, man. It, yeah, I mean, I, I'd i have to double-check and see if I have him rostered on any teams. I feel like I do, but uh, I may actually not. I'm trying to just mentally go through all my teams and figure it out. Um, I think I think there is a, there's a, a really good case to be made. Because even if he duplicates last year uh, in terms of you know, where, where he went. It's not like he's killing you. Like he's not a bust in the same way. Some of the other guys uh, that we'll talk about on this list were busts uh, last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, It was just a disappointment. Vlad Jr. Was like it. I I think it was unfair though. It was unfair to, I hear, I mean, often, you know, people are like, well, you, you know, take the high upside on the rookie. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the guy disappoints and, uh, then you see him going way, way too late the next year. Uh, this isn't one of those cases. People are still believing in the pedigree, and I completely understand why. Because, yes. you know, 15 home runs in 123 games with a 272 batting average is still not awful. For a 20-year-old, yeah, too, right? And it's just because the expectations were so, so high that some people have buckled. But you're right. The general community has said, no, no, no. You're not, you're not, you're not going to do this. You're not going to have a guy with lofty expectations at 20 come up and hold his own and have bouts of excellence, but not quite go off and then get him after pick 100. And we have seen that with prospects where they really get left, um, you know, left out in the cold after, after disappointing, not Vlad 65, uh, you know, in the, in this, and he ranges as high as 41. He kind of lives in the 40 to 80 range. Which so sixty eighty p is perfect. Um, I totally understand that, and I don't have any shares right now. And it's it's the same reason that you said the players around him, but I'm not I'm not averse to it. If Moncada, Lemayhew, Muncy aren't there when I'm looking to take a third baseman, boom, I would go Vlad Jr. But one of those three has been available, and I and I have favored those three a bit. So that's where we're at on Vlad Jr. Anything else to say on, on him before we move on? This one's an obvious why why it's so split. I just want you to give your thoughts on if you believe in a comeback. Chris Davis, he is one of those injury guys. Chris with the K, 179-point difference, 348 on the auction calculator, 169 uh, in a very nice ADP. We know exactly what happened. We can pinpoint when he got hurt playing defense in Pittsburgh. The before and after is so stark, it is obvious. Is an off season a, a remarkably extended one 
enough for you to say, you know what? He'll get back to his power hitting ways. He needed time off. Chris Davis is back and I'm going to jump in. Or are you pulling back on the, on the 32 year old Chris Davis? No, I'm, I'm buying in wherever I can. Uh, you know, the only reason I haven't gotten just him in every single draft uh, is is mostly that uh, I, I've ended up with uh, uh, Jordan Alvarez and uh, and Nelson Cruz earlier, and so yeah. I can't then go and take another DH uh, or UT eligible only player uh, later in the draft. But if I miss out on, I mean Cruz especially, he, he's been the guy I've gotten the most shares of. That's UT only. Then I'm Same. I'm definitely targeting him around pick one thirty to one forty. Like that's when I'm really going to start going. Okay, this guy was a top forty five pick last year, or top yeah. fifty pick. Like it's insane. Yep. Like he like people have completely written him off because of the injury last year, and then obviously being you know a UT only player, people are just just do not like putting that in their lineup. But I mean. I- I should have gotten their their 2019 ADP to compare that to the auction calculator to the 20 to the 2020 ADP to to really see the the slide cuz you're right Chris Davis was a top 50 guy he finishes barely inside the top 350 and then is only moved back up to 169 I I'm bu- I'm buying ahead of that as well I I'm with you on the cruise thing so that's why I I don't have my money where my mouth is but that's cuz you can only take one UT so I'm not I'm not just going to take two just because I like Chris Davis. But you better damn well believe that when Cruz isn't there, uh, give me you know a few rounds late, uh, several rounds later actually, I can get Chris Davis. I am back in 100 percent too. I got uh, I got him 168th uh, in my last uh, OC draft. Uh, I love it. So and I mean that was with like a, a bunch of really sharp players and. Uh, you know Matthew Davis and um, and Vlad Sedler and uh, Colin Weatherwax and and I mean there was you know a draft cheat was in that draft like there was a bunch of really smart people and he just fell to 168 and I was like I I, I have to yeah and I think Absolutely. I even at that point had I can't remember if at that point or later on I took another UT only player in Nick Solak and just like I don't care Solak will get eligibility well, so exactly especially because he could get eligibility now. Do you think, I mean, I kind, of, I kind of feel like this is a no-brainer question, but I'll ask, do you think leagues have to adjust eligibility? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I think, and I think they, I think, well, actually, I don't know what, what sites are going to do. I think sites. I don't know either. I know NFPC has gotten a lot of heat about just the fact that they, uh, they're even still holding on and not like refunding people money. Like, I don't think these sites can do that. Like it's, it's not fair to them. Refund Uh people money for drafts that have already happened. Yeah, exactly. Because they've refunded people money for drafts that haven't happened. Like the main event, if they don't want to be in, um, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, you have to, they need to wait and see what's going to happen before they make a decision on things like, you know, inning limits, like, you know, obviously you're not going to go with a thousand, inning limit if we're only playing 80 games yeah. uh or, or or 50 games uh but i think like eligibility they've got to wait like they can't just come out and be like oh well we're gonna prorate it um or we're gonna you know do this i think they've all got to wait so yeah, because we're i think you have between, to though and you have between like 45 and 85 games. like that's a massive difference mm-hmm. and and you're gonna have to for next season 
Yes, I I agree. Be, or else things are just going to be completely, completely jacked. So I agree that we need to see some some adjustments. Uh, all right. So yeah, we're fully in on Chris Davis uh, with a K. Uh, major distinction there because I am not in on Chris Davis with a C. I wish him the best, but no, thank you. You, you wait. Uh, he, he was on my. Uh, um... My retro draft team. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was. He was on a winning team. Well, that he was on winning teams that year too, in in 2016, but uh, not so much anymore. I, I dare you to put him on some teams this year and see if you can win. Good good luck with that. I, I really hope everything works out for you in that punt batting you, average. You do love to do that. Um, all right, next up, another another Blue Jay, Kevin Biggio. He's very popular. Uh, finished 303 last year, mostly due to volume. It wasn't so much any sort of failure. He's up to 125. I think we're universally agreed. Frankly, I just forgot on, on whether or not uh, – I know we've talked about him because I really, really like him. Are you on the Kevin Biggio train? Uh, I was early – and then I jumped off as the uh, the price we'll pushed him up. Yeah, I mean, it just he was like the most talked. Him and Zach Gallon were the most yeah. talked about guys at AFL, and it was like, oh god. Well, I'm glad I got my my one share already because uh, this is going to get insane. But it really hasn't. Like, no, uh, it's been it's been bearable for sure. Mm-hmm. And so he's another guy that I ended up with in that last OC. Uh, I got him at pick 120, uh, and felt pretty good about it so uh Bichio is a guy that just has a ton of upside you know obviously the floor isn't as safe as a guy like uh Vlad Jr uh but I think he he's obviously gonna play he's gonna play every day and uh he's got power he's got speed and he, he does fit into that uh kind of player profile that I like where you devalue batting average so um yes I think he's one of those guys that I will probably get a you know one or two more times on my team uh you know in in these drafts that are going to come after uh they announce what the season's going to look like and if we're putting um you know because you do like to put batting average if you're putting the likelihood uh of spiking a big batting average on guys capabigio is going to be at at your higher end i believe because i actually think there's some uh there's some batting average upside there to bgo uh, because I don't think I, I think some of his strikeout issues were passivity, so if they can teach him to be a little bit more aggressive, and uh, and go out there and get some pitches, that two thirty four average will shoot way up. So I like it there. I agree that for all the talk, I thought the ADP would would jump a good bit higher, but in that one twenties range, I'm comfortable with that. In fact, the the latest one since April first, let's see, is. 126. So, hey, that um, I'm paying that. You are. We're good there. Let's move on to our next guy, Andrew Benintendi. Now, this is classic faller because, like Chris Davis, he would have started out re- really high in 19, finished 196, now 114. I don't think he has that distinct injury to look at the way Chris Davis does to say, oh, this is why he struggled. He just really didn't do anything well last year. He had a double-double, 13 homers, 10 steals. He did have an injury, um, but he wasn't, if I recall correctly, particularly good before the, the injury either. 
So where do you stand on Benintendi now after after a pretty rough year last year? I mean, I think he'll be better than he was last year, but I don't know that he's going to be considerably better. Um, like I like the biggest concerning thing to me is like that the stolen base is like we're cut in half. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a matter of oh he got caught more. It, it was they just didn't let him run as often. And you know if that's a if that's going to be kind of a team thing moving forward. And like we have no idea how teams are going to react to a shortened season. Are they going to be more aggressive on the base pass because it's a shorter season and then they're trying to make sure you know they're manufacturing runs and things like that? Or are they going to be less aggressive because they can't afford to risk an injury? Uh, you know, in a shortened season. I don't know. Like it, it, I think that you can make arguments. I think a lot like pitching uh, and how teams are going to handle pitching is it's going to be team by team. We just don't know which teams are really going to push it on the base pass and which ones aren't. Uh, I mean, he is probably you know a mixture of his first three seasons. So probably a you know a mid to high teens home runs guy, uh, a guy that can steal up to twenty bases. But mm-hmm. you could also see 10. And I just don't think, especially with how that lineup has changed now with Mookie Betts out of it, uh, and the chance that they could potentially move other guys out of that uh, lineup as well via trade if they do try to trade like J.D. Martinez. Oh, man. Like the, I'd, I'd take a big hit out of their line. Yeah, I just I worry that... We're going to see, like, I, I think the 2017 guy is probably what we're going to see um, with less stolen bases. So maybe, like, a, over a course of a full, you know, 162-game season, a 15-15-270-280 guy. And I just, I just don't think there's enough ceiling there for me to take him where he's so, going still. No no love on, on Benintendi there. By the way, he did not have... A, a DL stint there. Um, he played 138 games. That, those were a few extended periods off. He was more of a nagging injury guy. Right foot, left quad, leg, uh, left side, thumb, the quad again. So a bunch of knickknack injuries probably played a role in suppressing his numbers. But to be honest, he really wasn't much different than he was uh, in 17, Benintendi. In fact, his OPS was only two points difference. So he spiked in 18, came back down in 19. And I, I just don't know that there's a ton of upside either. I think I agree with you there. Um, he will be batting leadoff. So unless the, unless they do trade like a JD or, or move out pieces, the runs should still be there. And there is some pop, some speed, you know, again, a double-double. But I don't know, man. Okay. I'm just... I'm just not that interested. I'll be interested to see what his approach is this year. Because, I mean, he obviously... He went for power. Yeah, and he became more aggressive. I mean, his swing percentage went up to 51% after being pretty much 44, 45 the previous two seasons. And it it really hurt him. He did not... He made less zone contact. Oh, yeah. He swung outside of the zone more. And so, I mean, this may just be a matter of, hey, you're not the guy, especially now that he's batting leadoff. Mm-hmm. Or likely batting leadoff, you're not the guy that needs to hit a home run every at bat. Like, no, we want know. we want your on base mm-hmm. up, uh, get that strikeout rate back down. It went up to 23 percent after 17 and 16 for Andrew Benintendi. Walk rate was at 11, down to nine and a half. 
yeah, they they want the the skills of of seventeen eighteen for him. But I haven't found myself drafting him. I'm just I'm I just, just not that I, interested. I just don't see him as a guy that like obviously could he return, you know, third round value, uh, you know, kind of where he went last year, sure. But like I just don't see him as a guy that could return first round value. And I think yeah. that's what some people are still believing, especially him hitting leadoff. And I just, I just don't buy it. So as far as power speed guys go, would you take Ben Benintendi or wait around and take Danny Santana? He has issues of his own, but mm. a more robust power speed profile. Let's see. How, how much lower is he's going? Okay, so... You get around the savings. 115 to 130-ish. I think I would take Danny San. Well, I think it's it's team construction because obviously Benatendi has a much safer, uh, f- uh, much safer floor than Santana because Santana could just disappear and everybody like, well, that was fun. Yeah, because uh, his plate skills are trash. Yeah, but I mean, in Santana's favor, he's got the much higher upside and the positional flexibility to like move all around your team. So I think I'm going to yeah, go he- Santana there. Santana already has first base outfield and could add more. Not to mention, uh, like, his max ADP is, like, 179. Santana's is, yeah. Yeah, because people... Uh, and, and his man is 85, so, you know, that in that draft he had a believer. And I had heard that Danny Santana's family did play fantasy. So, mm-hmm. you know, they got into a league and drafted him 85. And, and I, sort, <laughs> hey, I sorted it from April 1st and I think his, his uh, min ADP is like 40, uh, 67. And don't forget, he went in the first round of a draft earlier this year. I know. I know. It's it's hard not to get interested in Danny Santana's you know power speed, but then the second you look at that plate profile, it, hopefully it has you tap in the brakes. Um, Not to mention his defense is atrocious. Like, yeah, so, like, that's he why could... he plays every position because he can't play any of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's definitely that that the whole Daniel that. Murphy uh, conundrum. Yep, yep. All right, next up, Eloy Jimenez, seventy nine point difference, one thirty eight on the auction calculator, up to sixty. I think we're both believers here. Yep. Um, but go ahead and give your thoughts on Eloy Jimenez. Quietly pop those thirty one homers. I think we're seeing more this year, obviously, prorated. We, we're saying everything in, like, 162 game uh, rates, and then we'll shave it down to whatever we need to, whether it's a half or a quarter season. But, uh, yeah, sneakily got to 31 homers in 122 games last year. I, you know, his price has gone up, but I still think it's a, a pretty good buying opportunity at 60. I, I really don't find that problematic uh, is where to where to buy Eloy Jimenez? I would pay that pretty easily. So if we're talking about like a sixty game season or something like that, uh, just look at his second half from last year. He had two ninety two with fifteen home runs in fifty nine games <laughs> after he came back from you know from the injuries. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I want uh, I want Eloy on every single one of my team. I'm, I'm trying my best right now not to say shares because I know that's something that I, I want to work on not saying. So why? Uh, hmm. Why is that? Just because of the current current context of what's going on in the world. I think that's one of the things that people mentioned is not not using shares as a uh, um, uh, as a way of describing you know players. I understand the the owner thing like I own him. But what what's what's the what's the thing with shares? Why is that? Well, because shares are typically used as a context for owning stock. 
So you're then saying the player is a commodity and you're owning him. In I, I, I've had a hard time with that one too, and it was a discussion I, I had, uh, you know, with my wife because you know she had mentioned it as something that I do, and uh, um, and I kind of pushed back on it. But I, I'm I'm kind of in the camp where it's like I don't think that one is as bad, but you know I'm also a straight white male that you know, probably shouldn't be coming up with the rules on what's okay and what's not. So, I'm, while I don't necessarily think it's that bad, that may be my, my white privilege, you know, kind of singing out and, you know, we, we try not to talk too much like political stuff, but just something I'm trying not to do. So if I do it and it offends someone, I apologize. I'm, I'm, you know, trying to work on it and be a better person, but uh, at the you know same time, I'm you know obviously going to make mistakes. Uh, yeah. th- though back to Eloy. Uh, yeah, 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 back to him. Uh, like he's the reason I like haven't ended up with Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr. Oh like, yeah, like they're right by each other. Yeah, I mean he's gone. Like, and so when they're both on the board, I go. I, I just think like we saw like the kind of beginning of that ceiling, and obviously we think there's more. And he mm-hmm. was so good. Like yeah, he, he, it, it was exactly what we wanted. He hit, you know, those fifteen second half home runs. That that's the home runs that he, uh, that Vlad hit last year in total for a full yep. season, and he wasn't missing time, you know. So like, I I just think that Eloy is the guy that I want on my team in, in as many drafts as I can, and I uh, I understand he's going way above where he finished, but. Uh, like I still think he should be going in the top fifty. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, and I want I want to get into the White Sox lineup, and that's a good way to get into it. So I'm a hundred percent with you there. Like, we do. I, I don't love him in his. I don't understand how Aaron Judge is going ahead of him still. Like I, I mean, it's it's what he's done, but for me, I just I really have a hard time trusting his health. I just yeah, I think that's going to be. A continued issue pretty much completely uh, off my board I, I i can understand that i can understand saying you know what i don't want to deal with the headache his ma- his max of, pick judge. is like 96 since april 1st uh that being aaron judge uh and I, I don't think i would take him at 96 no i i i totally like totally get give me jorge soler or give me uh, you know, Miguel Sano above Aaron Judge, which, you know, could come back to bite me in the butt. And, you know, obviously Judge has been a, a first-round uh, talent when he's healthy. It's just staying on the field in a shortened season. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, and and superstar name, mm-hmm. two seasons with 112 and 102 games. He was still great when he played, and he'll be great when he plays. But, you know, just... I, and I don't think the shortened. I think some people are going too far with this whole, you know, the shortened season uh, absolves these injury guys. It's like, well, they could still get hurt. You could get absolutely and, nothing. Yeah, exactly. It could go completely the other. Like, I've I've heard some framing of of this with like the in, the the innings guys, uh, the young pitchers or injury guys that they are must drafts in this because there's a, a shorter season. It's like. They can still get hurt a week in and then be done completely. So especially, I, I there. especially if you load up on a bunch of these guys, you know, yeah. I mean, you need if you're going to draft a few of those guys, you need them to hit. Um, and you know, the more of them you draft, the less likely they're going to hit. Like, give me a guy who I've like, you know, made this argument against forever, 
in Carlos Correa at, you know, 107, 108. Like, mm-hmm. that's the type of, like, okay, when he's healthy, he's great. I'll take the shot there as opposed to 50 picks earlier in Aaron Judge. No, I, I totally understand that. Um, so we like Eloy. We're not cool on Judge right now. Let's go on to our next guy here, another power hitter, Reese Hoskins from 180. Uh, finished last year to 107 on on the auction or on the ADP. What about Hoskins? Are you buying back in into him if you even bought last year um, for a, a power resurgence? Because there are some things that it's like, hey, he's got to he's got to figure it out. And maybe we did find a limit on how many fly balls, right? They, we we're kind of having this thing with all the power surges of like, well, there's not a, there's no such thing as too many fly balls. I think Hoskins found it. There, there is a limit. But do you believe he can trim that a bit, smooth out his profile, and get back to being a just a power superstar? I mean, he still hit 29 home runs last year. It yeah, wasn't like he wasn't like la- in comparison to what people were doing. It was like that was kind of weak. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a matter of like where do we think the batting average is gonna be, um, and. I mean, his his XBA was 221, um, and... That was his expected batting average for Hoskins? Jeez. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't think, like, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna... I, I think he's gonna be one of these guys that uh, there are gonna be years where he pops a little bit better, better batting average, and if you can kind of build in or you, you're devaluing the batting average category or just build in the fact that he's probably going to hit like 230, 240 uh, mm-hmm. at best, um, you know, then if he does pop like a 259 like he did in that short sample in 2017, then you're like, oh, great, I'm golden. But I, I just think he isn't, he's like a, a, a guy like Joey Gallo with less power. I think he has the power, though, to... to... Like, that's the thing. I mean, he has 16 and 14% home to five ball rates the last two years for uh, Reese Hoskins. Like, that's a guy who should be in the 25% range. But he hits so many fly balls that it's difficult. I still think there's some tweaking to this profile that could really set him off. Um, that said, I don't think it's just a uh, snap of the finger kind of happens type deal. So I am still a little bit nervous. I'm not. I'm not averse to his price. I've just been going elsewhere at first base. Matt Olson, Max Muncy, mm-hmm. our guy, uh, and then my guy, pardon me, my guy Luke Voigt. Those three have made it so I'm virtually never getting somebody like Hoskins. Yeah. But I can respect the price, and I and I would, you know, if all three of those guys just uh, eluded my my grasp at a draft, I, I would I could quote unquote settle for Hoskins. Because uh, that's around the time I'm looking to get a uh, first baseman is in that early 100s range. Because I do want somebody with with big 35 plus homer upside, which he does have over a full season. He wasn't too far from that last year with his 29, and he had 34 the year before. I mean, I I still think there's possibility. There's there's the ingredients for a 40 homer season for Reese Hoskins, but he needs to make some tweaks. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think that that's out of the range of outcomes. The hard part is the people who are going around him. You know, Miguel Sano, who who I love, Fran Mel Reyes, who I love, uh, Mitch Garver, who you love. I mean, this is a prime area for, you know, your first or second closer. 
you know, with, mm-hmm. with guys like Brad, Brad Hand and Edwin Diaz going in this neighborhood, Kenley Jansen going in this neighborhood. So uh, I just have a hard time pulling the trigger knowing that I can get other first basemen that I really like later. No, I feel that. I absolutely feel that. Uh, let's move on here. we get got at least one more, maybe two more, depending on time. We do have a little bit of a hard out. Um, let's talk Oscar Mercado. Mm-hmm. Um, because he came up, had a nice season quietly. If you, if you didn't have this season, this is one of those, if you didn't have it, you might not have realized what happened. Um, he was part of uh, Fabapalooza, not the banner player either, kind of the second one of the secondary guys, but went 15-15 with a 269 average in his 115 games. Pretty nice stuff from Mercado. He is now, uh, he finished at 189. He's going at 118. What do you see out of him? Obviously, it would have been nice to see what he could do in a first full season, but he's going to get another short sample. Uh, is he better than this 118 ADP? And, and and are you a Mercado buyer? I am a Mercado buyer. And I think that the fact that he got injured in spring training kind of halted uh, a little bit of his oh, rise up I the ADP. Yeah, I, I mean, he because he was a guy that people were starting to get real hyped on. And then all of a sudden, you know, he got hurt. He got pushed back down because he was going to miss the you know the first part of the season, uh, but now he's had plenty of time to uh, get healthy. And so Ricardo is a guy that I think uh, I'd like to to draft one or two more times, uh, you know, if I can, uh, because he's going to hit the top of that lineup. That lineup, while it's not like a world beating lineup, is still pretty good. It's still. It's still solid, yes. No, mm-hmm. Let's not. I didn't like their offseason because I thought they sat on their hands. Mm-hmm. But the Carlos Hernandez, uh, excuse me, the Cesar Hernandez move was nice, and they already had a good foundation. And if you like Domingo Santana, that was that's not a terrible move either. Yeah, so they had, I mean, they added Cesar Hernandez, they added Domingo Santana, um, which you know gives them a pretty decent lineup. It's it's not yeah. amazing, obviously. It's it's good though. It's it's yeah. legitimately good. And, and he's gonna and hit. I, I, he's gonna hit second in that, and so yes, Mercado is for sure. I think he's gonna get plenty of opportunity to score runs, uh, and you know he's obviously gonna be a guy who can get double digit uh, stolen bases, uh, double digit home runs in, in a full season. You know he's probably like. A, I mean, most of the projection systems have him as like a fifteen twenty guy, mm-hmm. um, and some of the projection systems have him higher on the stolen bases uh, than that. So. See? That's where I think he could excel as the stolen mm-hmm. base. And I, I think in a shortened season, um, you know, he could spike. He, he, he could he could spike 12, 12, 15, even, even in the half season, there, mm-hmm. I, I think, for Mercado. So I really, really like him. I'm excited about his game. So I'm, I'm definitely eager to, uh, to draft him. And I don't mind this. In fact, I think this ADP is perfectly fair. Mm-hmm. I have no I problem paying it. All right, so that's uh, Oscar Mercado. One last guy here before we get out. Manny Machado, 52-point split. He finished 108 last year. He's up to 57. Is this a name value thing, or should he be going that high? Because Manny Machado, I mean, it's a pretty stark split between what he's done uh, when he was in Camden and what he's done since leaving. So I'm curious... How, how you feel um, uh, about Machado. Uh, Camden, 
296, 353, 537. Everywhere else, 267, 323, 449. Is he being overdrafted at this point? Yes and no. <laughs> it's. I mean, I hate to give the cop-out answer. Let's hear you explain that one. Uh, I mean, I do think that people are... Uh, I think that some people are drafting him just based on his name. Um, and I, I think that... Uh, that being said, though, like... like I'm not gonna like throw out the possibility that he gets back to being Manny. Uh, I mean, he still hit 32 home runs uh, last year. That Padres You're not team discount that. You mean you you think that's still possible? Yeah, I mean, okay, sorry, the wording was a little uh, bit okay. Um, I was. It's hard. Was... This is one that like I'm kind of sitting on the fence, and I don't yeah. have. I haven't drafted him. I don't think anywhere. Uh, I, I haven't looked Machado's way, dude. Yeah, and I haven't either, just because I was like, oh well, you know, last year was really disappointing, and and but it really wasn't like that disappointing. Yes, the batting average hurt, but he also had a two seventy four BABIP. Uh, you would think a guy like him would, uh, you know, be much closer to his career, uh, you know, almost three hundred BABIP. Uh, yeah. So I expect the batting average to come up and. I expect the power to stick around. Let's also not forget, like, yes, it was his first year out of Camden, and so that probably hurt him, but it was also his first year in a new park with a new team, seeing a whole bunch of new pitchers in the National mm-hmm. League. And are we saying that a guy with this track record can't adjust to that? No, I, and I think he can't. He's he's 27, and while he's been up for a long time, we could still see the best year of, his, of Manny Machado's career mm-hmm. now probably won't i think 18 will probably still stand as that season but it's not out of bounds i think part of it too is he does have dual eligibility which i'm a sucker for but it's the two spots that are deepest third and short so i'm not even like i'm not even giving him that much love for for that um again we've hammered this point a lot players going around these guys has, has definitely played a role but I just I can't rationalize taking him over Eloy, taking him over Vlad, taking him over LeMahieu, taking him over Muncy, taking yep. him over Moncada. Like I just can't I think rationalize I that. Suarez, who's I, yeah. Suarez? I can get like a round later if think you think, think he's Suarez. healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Suarez was going like in the top fifty picks. Donaldson two rounds later, yeah. two full rounds. I just yeah Chapman. that. That's the big issue for me. It's like I, yep. I I know that there's still a ton of talent there, but we also, while stolen bases can come and go, like, do we really think he's going to have, like, pop another one of these, you know, 15, 20 stolen base seasons? I, I, I don't. Doubt so. I doubt it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They ha- And he has shown how sporadic stolen bases can be. Manny Machado has. Um, I know, think he's a 20 out of nowhere in 2015. Like, I feel like he's got a pretty safe floor though. Like, yes, like I think yes. like last year was the floor. And so like, if you've taken some early shots, then like, I don't have a problem grabbing Machado. I want to see what's his max. His max pick is 80. Like we start getting down into the 70 range. Like I'm, I'm going to take him probably. Oh God! Like I see, I still see some of these names. It's, uh, you know, Nelson know. Cruz, my boy. Like Victor Robles, a guy that I really like. Uh, I mean, the like here, Suarez. here's the good. Like, would you rather? Would you rather have him or Paul Goldschmidt? Damn, dude, you challenged me here. 
You got to act quick. We got the hard stop. That's true. Machado. 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 All right. There you go. All right. That, that's, All right. That, that'll wrap us up. That'll, that'll cap it there. Uh, again, we'll talk draft on Tuesday. I'll reach out to Eric to see if he can join us. Um, if not, uh, I'll see about a couple other guys. But, Justin, great talking with you. Hopefully we've got good news next week regarding a deal, and I hope you have a great weekend. Take it easy.